We're in Romans chapter 2. We were going to uh, start 26, but let's go back to 25 so we can continue our train of thought. 25 says, Indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. He's speaking to the Jewish and those under Jewish covenant. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Well, that nullifies a lot. We'll find out later it's the same with Christians and water baptism. Water baptism just gets you wet if there's no change of heart and if you don't keep the law of Christ and follow Christ, it has no avail to you. So a lot of people like ritual and ceremony, but it has no spiritual value if the heart isn't in the right position. So to the Jews under the law, we call it law of Moses, their being circumcised is of value, he said, meaning they are in the covenant. So they're considered in the covenant because of this. But he wants it plain to them, you have to keep the conditions of the covenant. And circumcision is just part of it. It's an outward acknowledgement, like water baptism is to the Christian, of what is supposed to have happened inside. So water baptism doesn't do anything spiritual to a person other than it's commanded of the Lord as a witness to others what has happened to us. So if a person's not born again and changed and confessed and repented, that water does it nothing, but gets him wet. It's supposed to be something you do after the inward has happened. Many people get the cart before the horse. It doesn't work. It doesn't help them. I had many people tell me when they find out they lived years in false Christianity or they were backsliders. Well, I was baptized. Well, I said, well, it don't mean nothing. You didn't keep the covenant. You didn't live for Christ. You need to be baptized. It ain't like you were a Christian and fell into sin and repented and got straight. That was your lifestyle. And Paul said, if you practice these sins, you'll not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you're not a Christian. So I tell people, don't argue the point. Don't look back at what happened tenant if you haven't been following the Lord. Now, if you've been following the Lord, that's fine. So I have recommended many people in the past to get rebaptized because the baptism was invalid. It didn't count, or they went back on their word and broke the covenant with the Lord, okay? So the value of the covenant, circumcision was the first thing they were to do, and then sacrifice of the animals, rituals, and God's commands were in effect. They were valid. Otherwise, if they weren't together, they were not valid. So if you were a knowing Jew and knew the law and you were keeping the commandments and rituals, well, if you weren't circumcised, you weren't keeping the commandments. That was a command. Jesus said to Christians, he said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I command you, what I tell you? So people can claim all they want to be born again. If they're not following the Lord, they're not born again. They died again. Galatians said Paul prayed for them because they got off into human works and they weren't trusting the Lord anymore. He said, I pray that Christ be formed in you again. See, regardless of what the heretics say, that means he's not in you anymore. 
and you need to come back to the Lord and get right. That's what it meant. See, people love one-time acts. It don't do them a bit of good, okay? So if a sinner or a disobedient person to the laws that was born in the law, that was raised in the law, that lived among the Jewish nation, their being circumcised is canceled out, and the covenant is if they don't keep the law. See? Certain sins under the law, there was no forgiveness for. Blasphemy, idolatry, rape, kidnap. You were put to death. God said to Moses, tell him to drag him away from my altar and put him to death. He's just saying there's a limit to the mercy I'll show you. Okay? In the new covenant, it said all sins will be forgiven except for blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So the covenants have their conditions. They're not all inclusive, and every covenant has conditions to it. Heretics try to tell us, oh, it's all one-sided. God does it all. That's a lie from the pit. Scripture refutes all of that. God does his part. Man must do his. If they don't join together, they're yoked together. God doesn't do everything. He separates from the person if he doesn't keep the law of Christ, okay? So that's what he's saying. Now, circumcision is worthless to the person who breaks the law. So the Pharisees broke the law. They robbed the widows. They were envious. They were jealous. Many of them were covetous, the high priest, because the Sadducees, the high priest family, they didn't even believe in an afterlife. So why shouldn't they be covetous and store up money? So they thought. Okay, so they were living and broke the law. And Jesus told the Pharisees, you say Jehovah's your God. He said he's not, the devil is. So he didn't mince no words with people who did not keep the covenant. Now, if we go to Hebrews chapter 10, we've been there many times. Most professing Christians don't like it because they think they're so secure no matter what they do, uh, they're going to be shocked in the lake of fire, okay? Hebrews 10, 26. This is talking to the Christian. He's giving them a lesson. Some of the Christians were being persecuted and their lands taken from them, and they were thinking about going back into Judaism, and that's one of the reasons it was written. So he said, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, that's Christ Jesus and his purposes that he reveals to us, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. The blood of Christ will not cover you if you're practicing gross sin. That just blows people's mind. I've argued with so many people, sit there and quote scripture to me, trying to prove they're a Christian while they're living in adultery and fornication. And I'm not saying it's a one-time act or a fall. It's months and years. And I tell them, I say, you're not a Christian. I don't care what you had in the past. It's invalid. Paul said, if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why not? Because you're not a Christian. Only those who are led of the Spirit will inherit the spiritual blessings. So he says there's no more sacrifice. So you can plead the blood all you want. You confess your sins, but if you don't repent, does no good. Just lip service. God doesn't care for it. So those who are going to confess Jesus must repent. You can't be a Christian and keep living your worldly, wicked life. That's false 
Christianity, okay? And so speaking to Christians, we've read that. Thus, water baptism is vain if you do not continue to follow Christ. Though Israel would be as the sands of the beach and as stars in the sky in numbers, he said only a few, a remnant, will be saved. So most of them in the covenant of Moses and the old covenant did not make it. They did not keep the covenant. Generation after generation, they were rebellious and stiff-necked, and God cut most of them off because they did not keep the covenant. So see, their circumcision was vain. Didn't do them a bit of good, okay? Because they didn't stay in the conditions of the covenant. So if a Christian, a professing Christian, does not obey the Lord's commands and follow the Lord with self-denial and sacrifice and does God's will instead of his own, then he's not saved anymore. He's his own God. He's self-seeking, Revelation says. All self-seeking, he said, will be cast into the lake of fire. He will not tolerate it. Our God is a jealous God. He demands relationship with us. He created us for that. And he will not tolerate any other gods. And idolatry and self-seeking is idolatry. Covetous, Paul said, is idolatry. And he said, and you know no idolatry will enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so much for a lot of the prosperity teaching. It's idolatry. They're bound by materialism and the things of this world rather than the things of God. See, we use the world, but we try not to let the world use us. We can use whatever in Christ's name. The things in themselves are neutral. They have no evil in them. If you use money right, you're blessed. If you use it selfishly to self-indulge and all of this, you're in covetousness. You haven't understood what God requires of us. When he said, take up your cross daily, that means every day our self-desires have to be put down to do God's will. We have to follow him. And if we don't, we need to get out and go back to the sins of pleasures because hell's going to be waiting for you. And you don't want to go to hell as a hypocrite. You'll get the greater damnation. So you need to get your act together because, like Paul said, many people may question who a Christian was, what wheat and tares was in the beginning. That's why the Lord said, don't try to dig them up yet. We'll see how they progress. But he said, but God has this seal. He knows who's his. Nobody's going to fool him. You can't be a hypocrite before God. You can only be a hypocrite before other people, okay? So we see that he said very few would be saved. And that was the covenant through Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets. So he was simply saying, majority of those are not going to be saved. The same as the majority of professing Christians will not be saved. As it gets darker and darker, we've got millions upon millions who claim to be Christians because they were raised with some kind of theology, uh, mental ascent, but they most of them never really came to the Lord. They just mixed the religion with the lifestyle, thinking it would ease their conscience. It doesn't work that way, okay? So we see this. Now we're at verse 26. So if the uncircumcised man the Gentiles, keeps the requirements of the law, 
Will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Well, that blows the theory to the Calvinistic liars and the people who think, oh, all the world's going to hell because they didn't hear the gospel. No, the people are going to hell because they reject the gospel and they don't walk in the light that they have. So the Gentile who has not the law, he could keep the laws of his conscience. It doesn't say he has to be sinless. God sets the standard. And see, he follows his conscience and makes amends and tries to do things right. He's considered righteous. Why, Job was a Arabian, most likely from Iraq, somewhere in that area. And he was more righteous than any Jew. Well, the Jews weren't there, but Jacob was, and Joseph was living. And yet God said there was none like Job in all the earth. He was saying he bypassed Jacob and he bypassed Joseph. Even though God had a covenant with them, he was still more righteous according to the light that he had. And God admired him for that. And as we said last week or so, and Joaz, I think that was his name, the scripture says he was so righteous before God, people never hear of him. It said there was none like him king before or after. That includes David. That includes some of the righteous king. So it was none like him. Until Jesus Christ comes, he was the chief in personal righteousness before the Lord. And yet you don't hear much about him, do you? Scripture says the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Okay, so he measures the heart, the intent, and he does all of this. And so it'll all come out the day of judgment. That's what Paul said, I don't judge myself concerning certain works and stuff. He says, that's God's business. He said, he'll one day bring all things into judgment. He won't miss anything for rewards for Christians. He promised to reward the Christian for giving a cup of cool water to someone, another Christian. He said, you'll not lose your reward. So he, Hebrews says it would be unrighteous, unjust of God not to remember the goodness that Christians do. So God punishes the evil for their sin, and he rewards the righteous for staying in Christ. And that's why we have degrees of rewards in heaven. See, God has chosen to do that, okay? So what we see is God counts his circumcision to be circumcised. See, and see the blood of Christ covers even unknown to them, when Christ died, he covered all conscience, law, government, the lesser covenants. See, they were saved under their covenants if they kept. And so there were many righteous, not number, but we see in Scripture that were Gentiles, and they were more righteous than the Jews were as individuals. They were not in the covenant, and we see that the the Jew was given special privileges, but we see the consequences when they didn't keep the privileges that God gave them. So God counts them as being circumcised. They're true Jew to him in their spirit, okay? So a Jew breaking the laws is unsaved in his covenant, is what he was saying. The Gentile that keeps the rules of the, see, his conscience tells him, what the basic gross sins are. He knows murder's wrong, stealing's wrong, adultery. Nobody has to teach him that. His conscience teaches him that. 
He knows not to lie. He knows to try to do good to people and not do evil. And so if he obeys that, he may not have the written law, but he's obeying God's inner law that God has put in everyone. So Peter's first message to the Gentiles was to Cornelius, a centurion, and he was called a righteous Gentile. He did not become a proselyte or a Jew, as far as we know, but the angel came to him and said, your good works and deeds to people, and he did a lot for the Jewish people. He said, it's come up before God as a memorial. God didn't say, oh, you filthy sinner, I don't accept your offerings. No, he did accept it. And he was the first Gentile to come to the Lord. And his whole house and servants and whatever family, 12 of them, got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at one time. Bypassed much of what happened to some of the Jews. So it's interesting that God said, I've come for that reason. Why? Because you followed your conscience, basically, and you did good. He didn't call every person that lived a filthy sinner. Of course, the Bible says there's none righteous, and that's why we need Christ. Even people who follow the law and follow their conscience, and even Christians, we fail at times. And there's things, sins in the past that have to be forgiven. So God has to deal with these things. But a lot of people think one sin excuses you, so it doesn't matter what kind of sin you do. Well, we're going to find out that Paul said their damnation is just. So if you study Scripture, regardless of what the greasy graces tell you, you don't find any prophet or any man of God called by God that was living in sin. Isn't that astounding? He looked at people who tried to live an upright life. He didn't go and say, oh, I think I'll take that murderer and make him a prophet. I don't think if he did, you don't find it in Scripture. See, he went after people who were trying to keep the laws. And even the apostles, six of them, were John the Baptist's disciples. They were very moral people. And John sure preached repentance and living right, didn't he? And the other ones that he picked, they were morally upright according to the law. Didn't say they were brilliant, didn't say they were perfect, but they were trying to serve the Lord under the law. God didn't call no sinner. Even Judas was in that category. And the Bible says he fell by transgression. He wasn't appointed because he was had fallen and was wicked. That wasn't God's plan. It said he fell by transgression. Let another man take his office. He did not have to fall. Only God's foreknowledge told them that one of them would fall. He didn't tell them which one it was. Maybe it could have been another one instead of Judas. See, we're not told all of those facts. Christ was just simply telling us what he had foreknowledge. And as a man, he didn't know everything. He only knew things as the Lord revealed them to him because he laid aside his divinity while he was on earth, okay? And so we see that he was righteous Gentile. The angel reminded him of this. He said, and because you're good and memorial and the light that you had, these things you've done, I'm going to send someone to give you the full knowledge. And he meant the full, the gospel, the true gospel is coming to you. Well, the Jewish leaders and Pharisees, they'd already rejected it as a whole. And God gave them 40 years to reconsider. And they didn't. So he destroyed them 
when he destroyed the temple and the Romans destroyed much of Israel at this time and made many of them slaves, okay? So God is going to lead you to, to true gospels, basically what he said. And they accepted it immediately. Notice when they accepted the gospel, they didn't have to sit and confess a bunch of sins. They would acknowledge that they had past sins and ask God to forgive them. And immediately the spirit came on them, the same as the apostles. So Peter, that's why when he explained himself to James, he said, who was I to forbid God? They got the same thing we got at Pentecost. So he was telling them that the Jews were slack. For six to eight years, they didn't go to the Gentiles and God had commanded them to, to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Well, they didn't do it. So God got them moving by sending some persecution. And as they went out, like Philip and others, they started preaching the gospel. So if they'd made quicker, they wouldn't have had to bear some of this stuff. But they were slack and lazy in doing what God told them to do. So he was faithful in the less he had, and God gave him more. The Bible says that those who are faithful in little are given much. And those who are not faithful, even what they have is taken from them. See, people don't like to acknowledge that God sends a delusion to those who keep rejecting the truth. He doesn't want them knowing it. That's the consequence of their sin. See, people need to understand that God blocks spiritual knowledge from wicked people. As long as they stay in their sin and won't repent and confess, God doesn't want them. He don't want them knowing certain things. And that's why the Pharisee could not see Jesus for who he was. Yet the common people could see him and come to him. And they weren't as brilliant as the Pharisees, but they saw spiritually and the Pharisees were blinded further. That was God's punishment. Remember, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hid these things from the wise and prudent of the world, and you've revealed it to simple. You want the simple, those who are obedient, to understand. Those who are obedient to the light they have, you want them to have more light. That's the principle, a spiritual principle that God does. It doesn't change in this. So even Jesus told the Pharisees that kept fighting him, the proud and the knowledgeable. Remember, the Pharisees said the common people were cursed. They thought because they knew so much, they were in the covenant. Jesus basically set them straight, and they didn't like that either. He told them, you will die in your sins because you cannot believe. Why can you not believe who I am? Because the Spirit's blinding you through the demonic activity. You keep rejecting him and rejecting his word, and so he's going to send you a lie. That's God's method. When the Antichrist takes over most of the world, God has sent a strong delusion. He said because they don't love the truth. And he says he sends them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie and be damned. That's God doing this. See, that's his response to those who resist the Holy Spirit long enough. And that's going to happen under the Antichrist. But it's happening now. Many people are in delusions and think they're Christians and go to church and do a lot of outward things, but they're not saved or they're backslidden and don't know it or want to accept it. So the religious Jewish leaders as a whole were not faithful. So God hid the truth from them. They were proud and disobedient and they thought they were something when they were not keeping the covenant. 
And Jesus told him, you'll die in your sins. And he said, you cannot believe. So why couldn't they? They couldn't believe because the truth was blocked from them. He warned them. See, if they had repented, God would have opened their eyes further. But so this baloney, I call it, that people come to the Lord anytime they want to, and they just have to have a mental assent to the gospel, that's proven wrong in Scripture. Most professing Christians just have mental assent, and most of them have never been born again. And yet they say, Lord, Lord, and they believe they're Christians, and the world believes they're Christians. Well, they're going to be fooled at the day of judgment. Sin deceives people, okay? So we need to see this. Well, the common people repented at John the Baptist's preaching. His main message was repent for the kingdom of God is hand. What does it mean, repent? Clean yourself up. Stop your setting. Make it right. Do what the law required. And when they did that, they could recognize Christ when he came. When they didn't do that, they couldn't recognize him. See, that's why he had the greatest ministry of all the prophets, of anybody. See, he was preparing the path. If John the Baptist hadn't come on the scene, it would have been very difficult for Jesus to fulfill what God wanted. See, he knew his plans. He had to spend a lot more time doing John's job, and that was not his purpose. And so John told the priests when they came, see, they saw a bunch of the common people, and this was popular at the time. So they wanted to be able to tell people in the temple, oh, I've been baptized by John. See, it was a pride thing. And what did John say to him? He refused to baptize them. He said, go show some fruits worthy of repentance. Stop your sinning. Stop being wicked, and I'll baptize you. But he made them, he sent them off on their way. And some of these were the same ones that persecuted and killed Jesus. See, they weren't given the truth. Oh, they believed they killed a false prophet because the devils deceived them because they kept in their sin and would not repent properly. So when Jesus comes, he not only says repent, he says believe. See, he added to believe. If you repent, that meant the ones that hadn't heard John the Baptist, or listen, he says, before you can believe in me and follow me, you have to repent. So we have a lot of people who believe they're Christians who never repented. Oh, I used to counsel them because some silly person said, confess Jesus, Lord, and you'll be saved, and now you're a Christian forever. And I asked him, I said, well, are you doing any gross sin? Well, I'm still fornicating. I said, then you didn't repent. Your confession is vain. It doesn't mean nothing. They're sort of shocked. Well, this preacher told me, I said, well, he's on his way to hell. Don't be gullible. Start reading the scripture and see what it says about the subject. We've got many false teachers and prophets. Oh, they're filled the television with hundreds of thousands of people listening to them. One of the most famous, I could mention his name, but I wouldn't give him the, the time of day. Always likable. And someone asked him recently on a talk program, how come you don't preach ever on sin and judgment? Oh, I want to encourage people. They need to be encouraged. Well, he's going to hell and he'll leave the thousands of people that deserve to be deceived because how can you be encouraged if you're a sinner against God and haven't repented? Jesus said you're under the wrath of God if you don't repent. That's present tense. So much for the sentimental Jesus that is preached out there to most of what's called Christendom. 
Okay? And so the religious Jewish leaders as a whole were not faithful to God's word, the law, and therefore they could not recognize the greater light. God wasn't going to give it to them. See, God takes credit for it. If you don't obey the lesser, you don't get no more. So these Christians, professing Christians, they want to study scripture, go to seminary, and they still don't obey the Lord. They're wasting their time. They come out of the seminary, like someone said, they go to a cemetery, and they come out worse than when they went in. See? Because they get all this knowledge, and they're still not following the Lord. They think it's knowledge that makes them spirit. No, knowledge like that deceives people. That's why they come out worse than when they went in. So the word of God won't do you no good if you don't live righteously. So people like to quote scripture, and that's, that's fine. Are you living it? Are you trying to live it? Are you avoiding gross sin? Otherwise, you, you should lay your Bible down and never read it. Just remember what you haven't done. Do that first, and then you'll be enlightened. So he said you cannot believe. That's the spiritual consequences. Disobedience and unbelief are interchangeable, as the book of Hebrews tells us. And sin is a poison. See, even the intellectual cannot understand spiritual things because sin has poisoned him. And until he repents of it, he has to believe and he's subject to lying spirits. Don't mean how smart he is or how much scripture he's deceived. See, that's God's punishment. It's a spiritual matter. It's not just the intellectual, mental ascent matter. We have to understand that. So we see that John the Baptist, he told the people, get right. Get the highway right. Level the Lord's coming. And see, those who didn't get right, they didn't recognize him. They couldn't see him for who he was. But those who got right under the law, all of a sudden, when Jesus came on the scene, they believed him. Six of the 12 apostles were under John, and they immediately went to Jesus. See, they knew, and John had told them, someone greater than me is coming, and I'm preparing his way. He wasn't jealous when his six disciples went to Jesus. He figured, I've done my job. I've prepared them. I'm finished. My work's closing down, and Christ is open up. So he was satisfied with that. Okay, 27. And he who is physically uncircumcised, the Gentile, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you, who though you have the letter of the law and circumcision, yet you are transgressed? He's saying the righteous Gentile will look at you wicked Jews and the Jewish leaders and say, you are a hypocrite. You're supposed to have more knowledge and more privileges and you're not living them. And that means he will condemn them. It means pronounce judgment. You're in bad shape. When Jesus preached to many of the towns and cities, he told a few of them, he said, Sodom and Gomorrah will fare better at the day of judgment. Nineveh will stand up and judge you because they repented and they weren't even given a promise. <laughs> they were Gentiles who Jehovah said, spiritually, they couldn't tell the left hand from the right hand. And yet we find the Jews had many privileges and knowledge, but God didn't excuse them for that. They had to keep it. So he says if they keep the law, see, by following their conscience, they keep the basic law of Moses. They don't murder, steal, lie, commit adultery. 
worship idols. They believe in God Almighty, the Most High God. That's who Job believed in. And he wasn't in a covenant. He was before Moses. Okay? So the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, he was a priest before God. He wasn't in the law. But he was accepted by God. Some don't like to hear it, but Balaam, he was turned to be a covetous prophet, but he called God, Jehovah his God. But money got in the way and greed, and God warned him. But he was a Gentile prophet, and everything he said came to pass. But see, then he got greedy, and God had him cut off when Joshua went into the land, make sure that he was put to death with the sword, because he gave evil counsel against Israel, when Israel was walking right with God. He didn't have to go that way. Some real true Christians, apostles and prophets, they fall away. Scripture says, Paul said, some shall fall away from the faith. It means the real faith, don't mean the denominations and professing Christianity. It means real Christians who have gone deep with the Lord will be caught up in the world and the pleasures of sin, and they'll go back to their vomit, Peter says, and they'll be cut off from Christ because they cease bearing fruit. So what do we see then? The Gentile, being righteous by his conscience, will judge you false Jews because you have the law and you do not keep it. And you're circumcised and it is counted as uncircumcision. You are a transgressor. What's a transgressor? A person not keeping the righteous requirements of God. He goes beyond. You tell a child, you cannot go into the street. When that child steps off the curb, he's transgressed your law. So when a Jew is told certain facts, you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do that. And when he knowingly breaks that, he's a transgressor against God. God's wrath begins to rise. God's indignation is not pleased with it, okay? He's not like the false teachers They God loves you unconditionally. No, he doesn't. Only in one sense does God love people unconditionally. It's the love of God. He said that God gave his only begotten son. It's goodwill and benevolence toward his enemies, but they're still his enemies. And if they don't come to him, his wrath and anger remains on them. But see, his love, goodwill, is he don't strike them dead immediately. He lets them live out their life and gives them time to reconsider. That's the love of God. But he's not in covenant love. That's only for the Christian. That's a deeper bond that he has with his family members. So the world teaches that loves that one scripture more than I, and they think that excuses everything they do because God loves them. That's the sentimental lying shepherd. It's not God. You'll find he doesn't believe, he doesn't teach and doesn't believe that garbage, okay? And his teachers don't teach that false God. So Jesus, so Jesus called the Pharisees, the religious leaders attacking him. He called them false, got blind leaders. He, he didn't mince no words. He said, your father is not Jehovah, but Satan. Can you imagine these knowledgeable, important Pharisees and priests? And Jesus said, your religion's vain and the devil's your father. You can imagine how it really agitated them and why they 
sought to kill Jesus, and eventually they succeeded, okay? They were full of envy, hate, covetousness, which is the idolatry, and Jesus said, you're a hypocrite. He said, you make up these rules that supersede the law. He said, you, you lay aside the word of God for your own tradition. Denominations do that all the time. Oh, I, I tried to correct someone one time, but he quoted me the book of order, the Presbytery book of order. I said, oh my gracious, it superseded the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. And he looked at me rather puzzled. I said, that book of order is worth nothing. You can use it for toilet paper. If you're not abiding with God, your rules and regulations and administrations are vain. It'll be nothing. See, you've laid aside the word of God for your denomination. So you're just like the Pharisee, okay? And you find many people like that. You know, they put their denominations, I believe, as if that's more important than what the word of God says. That's why most denominations and most churches don't have a lampstand, and they're not true churches. Oh, you might have a few candles in there, but you don't have a valid church with a lampstand. If you don't have spiritual leaders and elders preaching the word, the true word of God, you have a false church, okay? You can't have novices and unbelievers and well-meaning people leading the church of God. It doesn't happen. That's the world's way of running churches. The devil runs those kind of churches. Okay, so Satan was moving the Pharisees to murder Jesus, the same as Satan moved Cain to murder Abel. And God warned Cain, if you were good, if you would do right, you would be accepted. It wasn't just uh, he didn't sacrifice. God may have accepted his grain offerings. He may have required the blood too. No, it was his lifestyle was wrong because he had hatred and malice toward his brother because his brother was righteous and he didn't like it. And the spirit of murder was tempting him. And God said to him, subdue it. He could have subdued it. He didn't. And he murdered his brother. Let's take a break here.